0: Hey, Dana's and Becky's, what you're about to hear is an encore presentation of one of our favorite episodes from the Don't Ask Tig archives. Please enjoy. Hey, Don't Ask Tig fans, it's your friend Tig. I wanted to go back to my episode with Ron Funches when a listener named Carrie wrote in asking for Los Angeles travel advice. I told Carrie to go to a very specific spot the display window of a shoe store on Beverly Boulevard. Well, I've got some sad news for Carrie and everyone else. The shoe store, or it's actually, it's a cobbler named Roberto's. It has sadly closed. And I didn't know it because I've been in New Orleans for the past three months on and off filming a movie. And when I got home, I passed it and I saw that it had closed. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was one of my favorite windows to look into. The window dressing was so incredible. If I can find an old picture of it, I will post it on social media. So look out for that photo if I can find it. And Carrie, I hope you still enjoyed your visit to L.A. And wherever you live, Carrie, I hope that my tour called Hello Again, will be coming through your city and everyone else's city. I'm going to all these major markets, a few Canadian cities. Go to tignotaro.com for all show information. There's links to get your tickets. Maybe you don't know what to get people for the holidays. I know what to get them. Tickets to my show. And it's my Hello Again tour. And you must come and see why it's called Hello Again. I know you probably think, I know why it's called this. Maybe you do. I doubt you do. But uh, come say hello to my face, all right? Now, on with the show.
1: I still co-host a weekly show here in Brooklyn that we like started back up live, and that's been really nice, just being around comedians and like
0: Mm-hmm. being
1: in a show environment, but I've just been hosting. I haven't really been doing my own material. And it makes me, like, miss it a bit.
0: Whose material have you been doing? I've been doing <laughs> –
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've just been listening to other comics and then just, like, repurposing <laughs> their
0: shows. You've, you've been known for that for years. Yeah. You're good at it. Yeah. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And I'm wondering if I should call fans of the show Don't Astronauts. Oh. Let me know what you think or don't. My guest today is a comedian who played the belabored HR rep, Grace, on the Comedy Central show Corporate. You can also hear her as the voice of Hollyhock on Bojack Horseman and watch her stand up special on Netflix. My dear, dear old pal, Aparna Nanchurla. I'm so happy to have you on the show today.
1: Ah, I'm happy to be here in this virtual environment.
0: I know. I don't think I've interacted with you virtually or at all in the pandemic. No. I haven't seen you, haven't talked to you.
1: You know how you decide some people you're just going to cut out? (laughs) It's not worth it. So we were like, I think we're we're at that stage. <laughs>
0: yeah. Our friendship had definitely come to the point where it was like, we need to go deeper or just cut this off. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and we both, without discussion, decided to cut each other loose. Yeah. Which,
1: ironically, is a sign we're really on the same wavelength.
0: That is ironic, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Aparna, how are you? How's it going? I'm... I cannot complain i I
1: was writing a book when the pandemic started, and I will say it is one activity that was not severely impacted by having to change our lifestyles completely. It turns out you can write a book from the comfort of your own home, mhm, yeah. But I know you've written a book, and not to ask you advice on your own advice show, but if you have any advice for writing a book, I could still use all the help I can get.
0: You know, I had a friend of mine who is an editor. She's edited, you know, columns and books. And and I hired her on my book because I'd known her for like 20 years to really help me Examine my life and dig yeah. stories and just things out of me that were really helpful because, you know, it's kind of like writing stand up where you are so used to something that happened in your life or telling a story off stage that you don't even realize it would be funny on stage. Right. It's just a part of your living and breathing. Yeah. And my friend was really helpful in pointing out those things about me and my life. And also, Remembering that really basic and sometimes frustrating thing of just showing up. Yeah. Gets you through a process. Yeah. That's what I found out with writing that book, which took me four years. And it's a book that you could read in an afternoon <laughs> by a pool. <laughs> it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my
1: life. Oh, it's so hard. I think I'm on year two now. So I'm getting there. Yeah, But I think you're right. The showing up is really important. And I think because it's such a different muscle than stand up where people are depending on you to show up and you're kind of Mm -hmm. just responsible to yourself to put in the time, it makes it so much harder. And there isn't like a group of people to applaud you (laughs) for showing up.
0: Yeah, you're showing up totally for yourself privately at home. And it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Also knowing really what to edit out because after four years, so much of what I wrote, I went back and I was like, (laughs) why on earth would I spend this much time on this person right, or this moment? And that's what's really nice too in taking four years to write a book is that you can narrow it down to what's important for the book.
1: Yeah. It feels like when you're just getting it all out, you're like that terrible person at a party who tells a story by including everything
0: not needed. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> then when you
1: edit it, you're just like, <laughs> what was I even trying to say? This doesn't have a point.
0: You're lucky that those people only show up to parties. I find them <laughs> everywhere, every day. The I think excess I said, information.
1: <laughs> I don't even go to... Th- that many parties. I said that to
0: sound more relatable. And and I was looking at you, thinking, I know she's done party. What is she talking about? So this makes it even more minimal—the amount that you're running into these people that don't know how to edit.
1: No, I run I run into them like on a plane or they're everywhere. Aparna. They're everywhere. A part of they're everywhere,
0: <laughs> and people are listening to this part right now, going, "God, edit yourselves, ladies. Wrap it up." <laughs> Wrap it up. (laughs) Now, speaking of partying, you've talked about how you were a shy kid growing up and um, being too nervous to even hand a Pizza Hut cashier money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you imagine that shyness shaped your comedy? I think
1: it just made me very, and I don't even think this is that rare among comedians, but... It just made me a very keen observer of other people because I constantly felt kind of on the outside of other people's like easy ability to kind of just integrate themselves in social situations. So I always felt like I was studying other people and the way they behave to kind of get clues almost as to Mm -hmm. how to act. So, yeah, I mean, I was a psychology major in college. So I think just human behavior in general kind of fascinates me, especially the way we interact with each other. It's an
0: interesting way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And it it is funny because people are always like, oh, well, one way to, you know, ingratiate yourself to people is just really listen and ask good questions. And I was like, I don't know if that's true because I'm a pretty good listener, but I don't think it's like
0: won me a bunch of friends. (laughs) (laughs) But you're very popular. You have a good gaggle of pals and people oh, like sure. you. And, oh, sure. But mm-hmm. I guess it makes me feel like listening is the key
1: to, like, becoming this, you know, mogul of friendship. And I don't think that's true.
0: <laughs> I just picture you surrounded by just hordes of friends. And you're like, one at a time. Hold on. I'm listening. I'm listening to Charlie right now. Hold on. <laughs> Aparna, Aparna. I have a story to tell. I want to hear it. I can't wait to hear it, but I'm listening to Marybelle right now.
1: I make everyone stand in line.
0: No, no, it's not a line. It's like it's you're oh. in the middle of a circle of people just pulling at you, tugging at the back of your shirt and the front of your shirt and your <laughs> pant just leg. That
1: sounds like the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the first uh, iteration of the internet. <laughs> Now, the Boston Globe uh, recently published an op-ed with an accompanying photo of you declaring that we're in a golden age of mental health comedy and that Mm -hmm. stand-ups and other funny people are performing a revolutionary service for public health. Wow. Do you agree with that?
1: It's surprising to me in that I have talked about mental health in my own struggles with mental illness in my act, but I don't feel like I was a pioneer in that sense. Like I felt like I had role models who had done it before, like Maria Bamford or
0: mm-hmm.
1: Patton yeah. Oswalt, I know, and Mark Marin have all talked about mental health among many other people. Gary Goleman, there's several. And I think I was just like, oh, I guess I'll just add my two cents to this conversation. But I... I didn't realize that like we, it sort of hadn't peaked yet as a mm-hmm. societal topic, which even just feels weird to say, because it's something that's very real that people struggle with. And it's strange to think of it as like trending well or something.
0: Yeah, I think there's certain, um, there's there's things that happen within our comedy community that probably it takes a beat for it to reach the masses. Yeah. And so we just think it's like, oh yeah. Yes. We've been, this has been going on for a long, long time. Maria Bamford's been doing this forever and then the world might still be like, who's Maria Bamford? Yeah, yeah. Or who's who's this per-? which is a shame if anybody doesn't know who Maria Bamford right, is. I can't right. talk enough about my love for her. I know. Aparna, do people typically ask you for advice? I think
1: because of what I was saying before, where I'm a a good listener, for some reason, it feels like when we do talk, since I usually don't talk as much maybe as the other person, they seem to imbue whatever I say with more wisdom, even though I don't think that's (laughs) that's always accurate.
0: And are you a good listener or are you just polite and you're listening?
1: I don't even think I'm polite. I think I'm just so in my own head that I'm looking. I'm good. I have a good listening face, but am I listening? I don't know.
0: Have you heard a word I've said? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get started. Our first question comes to us from a protective adult child. Oh. Charlie writes, Hello, Tig. I'm looking for advice about what to do about my mom and her questionable dating habits. She resorts to dating apps to find her next match, but all too often she matches with profiles that aim at scamming older women. They woo her with promises of a date, but right before their meetup, they all end the same with an ask for money to get them out of an unexpected situation. A year ago, she promised to delete her profile and go with safer methods like a traditional matchmaker, but we recently discovered she's back to using the same dating apps as before. She's a smart, professionally successful woman, but something is keeping her from seeking healthy connections with a potential partner. What can me and my siblings do to support our mother while also protecting her from being scammed? Oh. Wow.
1: Whoa! There's so much there.
0: <laughs> Have you ever dated online, or
1: I met my partner online?
0: Oh, okay. On Tinder,
1: of all places. Wow. Yeah, that feels like the one that people are not meeting—you know, lifelong connections. But that's where I met him.
0: Wow. I'm not in the dating. Well, I'm married. <laughs> you were at my wedding. But um. I'm not familiar with scams on dating apps. This is the first I've heard of this.
1: I have heard of it in terms of older people, like people will try to get them to send money. Mm -hmm. I think maybe they're targeting older people because they're presumed to be less savvy in that sense. But I mean, I guess the hook is that you're forming an emotional connection. And then once you have them, you get the money. But it seems so cruel.
0: It's so cruel. Oh, this doesn't have to do with dating, but I got swindled. I was on my computer at home. Yeah. This message came on and said, your computer is locked for safety reasons. You know, somebody was trying to hack your computer. Call this number. Um, And so I was like, oh, goodness. And, you know, went (laughs) inside. I was like, oh my gosh, I went in and I called the number and they were like, yeah, we caught somebody trying to hack into your computer. Uh, we're a company that can provide this <laughs> this security service. And, you know, it's just X amount of hundreds of dollars. And I was like, thank you so much. And, and I'm like giving them my credit card information. And then I was like, and listen, you know, can I call you back? And I w- maybe want to get this service if my wife wants it or my assistant who was Thomas, my my producer, who is on this show. He was my assistant at the time. I was like, I just, I want to talk to them and then maybe get their computers <laughs> um, secure as well. Can you imagine what would have happened to me if I was on a dating app? And then Thomas was looking through my bank account and he was like, um, Tig, what is this charge? <laughs> And I was like, oh, that reminds me. And I told him the story. And he goes, I just Googled this. Just a quick Google search. (laughs) You were robbed. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, oh, my gosh. And so I had to tell Stephanie, which was so embarrassing. And then one day that company called me, and I took the call, and I went into my office, and Stephanie overheard me saying, listen, my assistant told me that you scammed me and I would like my money back. And they said, okay, go to your bank account online. And I was getting online, getting my credit card out. I thought I had made them feel bad and they were going to give me my money back. (laughs) Stephanie overheard this, came running into the office. She was like, what are you doing? And I said, It's those people that scammed me. (laughs) They're giving me. And she was like, shut your computer down. You can't answer the phone anymore. Oh, no. She was like, they almost robbed you again. I have this side where I take things for face value. I think I have a naive way about me that surprises Stephanie even nine years into our relationship. (laughs) She's like, oh, my God. I can't believe you believe that. I
1: have that, too. I have that same quality. I just don't yeah. think people could want to take advantage of me, like, willingly without being like, but what's she about? Let's get to know her a little first.
0: I know. And then I think once I get burned yeah, in a situation, well, I, this doesn't apply because it almost <laughs> happened again. I got on the phone with the people and I was, like, trying to be direct and deal with the situation and, and almost got robbed again. But I think in general... I then become like, wait a minute, this feels familiar. This happened. Yes. You know, pay attention. Yeah. So long story to say I <laughs> relate and I feel for this person. I do too. I just didn't know it was happening on dating apps. I had no I probably would have sent the person. Oh yeah. I would have got him out of debt and I'd be like, Oh, I've needed cash sometimes. I needed it. <laughs> Yeah, I would have been like, oh my God, me and my friend Aparna have been down on our finances. But let me call her. We'll get a group conference call going and we'll get you out of this hole you're in. What I
1: immediately thought of when I heard the question first was, oh, there should be like a training course for online dating.
0: Well, that's very unsexy. Oh, it's very unsexy. To go through a training course? Yeah. <laughs> Aparna... This show should be called Don't Ask Tig or Aparna. You know what I think we can do (laughs) for for this person, this lovely Charlie who's trying to help a parent out, is we can open up the phone lines to try and meet someone for this mother. Yes. Okay. If you are looking for a smart, professionally successful woman who is seeking healthy connections in a potential partner. Yeah. Call whatever my phone number is. <laughs> and let's uh let's hook Charlie's mother up. I think that's great. We'll become the dating service. We'll be the go-betweens. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Charlie I hope we can help your mother. There are plenty of fish in the sea. So many. But unfortunately some of them are in fact catfish. Yes. <laughs> yes, Aparna, it's time for a break and then we'll we'll get back to more questions. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement, and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn, and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Way with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists, and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rose, Roland, and more. I weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos, and even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: Hi there, it's Janae Desmond Harris, aka Dear Prudence, and I want you to tell me about all your problems. Each week on Slate's Dear Prudence podcast, I'm here to tackle your questions about relationships, sex, work, family, and beyond, all with the help of an expert guest. We'll help you navigate it all, whether you're a teen dealing with parents, an adult looking to spice up your sex life,
0: or you just need some validation that you're not losing it. We're here to listen and to offer some guidance. Need help? Just ask Pretty. New episodes every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, Aparna. Now, you, all I remember you telling me, you almost attended West Point. That's true. The prestigious historic military academy. Yeah. As someone who already knew that about you, I'm still shocked. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. I feel so
1: far from that person. But mm-hmm. when I was that age, I didn't fully, I think I was a little bit sheltered as to like, not what the military does, but I think I was on this, mental journey where I was like, oh, I got to go somewhere where they're going to teach me how to be more disciplined in my life and be a leader. And, and I just, I kind of fed into all the, those army ads that are like, we're going to make you into
0: a great person. Oh my gosh. You have to put out your own. I'm kind of seeing it as a cartoon, like little young Aparna. Yeah. This little girl that's like four and they're like, We want you. (laughs) I'm like, me? (laughs) Me? Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that's wild. Um, This uh, this next question concerns someone who did join the armed services. Oh. Celia writes, hi, Tig. How do I make this holiday season special for my fiancé before he leaves for deployment? He wants it to be just me and him for the holidays, and I want to prevent just sitting around doing nothing, and it's difficult to come up with things since we live in a very small town. Thanks.
1: Whoa. Now, this one, short and sweet, Oh, but still a lot. Yeah. A lot to think
0: about. What do you do with your special person from Tinder? We,
1: I mean, you know, we'll do the standard date nights, dinner, movie, mm-hmm. We like nature a lot, so we'll go to, like, gardens or for hikes. Yeah. But I feel like they're asking for, like, a special set of events to mark an occasion or, like, yeah. a sending off. So I wonder if they like, you know, like, kind of kitschy holiday stuff. They didn't really say what how much they're into the holidays or not.
0: Kitschy holiday stuff, like, what, making ornaments together?
1: Yeah, or, like, the uh, drive around, and see everyone's holiday lights or whatever, mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. thing.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know what you should do. I know <laughs> what you should do. This would be amazing and hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if either of you can sing, but the two of you should go door to door on on your street where people know you and <laughs> sing Christmas carols. <laughs> just, just you and your fiancé. Aparna, how great would that be? I
1: mean, as someone who's never had my door knocked on by carolers, I would say I would really be delighted. And if only two came.
0: Yes. That would be, be unforgettable. It would be a gift to yourself yes. yeah, yes. and your neighbors. Please do that. If you don't do that then you're just not willing to make this a special holiday season, yeah, Celia. All right, And that is preventing you, you say specifically, from just sitting around doing nothing. Yes. This is not sitting. You are up on your feet. You're moving, which is healthy. It's good for you. And I agree, Aparn. I would be so delighted if I opened my door and there Ugh. were two people, especially if they had terrible voices, and they were just <laughs> singing their little hearts out. And we are in a uh,
1: pandemic, so if they had their masks on, even better.
0: Or stand stand 12 feet back and bolt it out. <laughs> yeah. Get vaccinated. Yeah. And then stand six feet back. Yep. And sing your little hearts out. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Your fiancé is being deployed. Yeah. Okay. Let's back up. Bake some cookies together. Yeah. Vegan, of course. Mm-hmm. And then... Go around the neighborhood, sing in your little heart song. And will you send video of that, please? Oh, please. Because, Celia, I'm telling you, I will demand to meet you in person if you do this. Oh, yes. Aparna will be there with I me. I will
1: be there. If this happens, I will come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. We'll come do a show in your small town. Yes. Aparna, you didn't know what you were signing up for <laughs> with this? <laughs>
1: But, Tig and I will come to we'll come to your door and will Celia's, stand 12 feet back and do stand up for you.
0: Celia's listening to this going, please no. Leave me alone, you weirdos. Okay, happy holidays to you and your fiance. Sincerely, uh-huh. Tig and Aparna. Aparna, this next listener needs some advice for her and her partner. Okay. Hi, Tig. Thank you for all of your sh- that you continue to do. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm a funny lady, I will say. Mm. Not on your level on any scale, but I get your humor and I get the hurdles you've faced in life being a gay woman or just being a person, right? I've been told to do stand-up numerous times. Mm. It's been a personal dream for many years, but don't know what the f- to do with that and the material I have. I may be no good, but I may be f-ing good. <laughs> I'd really like to hear the truth from someone I sincerely respect. You, wow, Lauren. First of all, watch your language. My goodness, <laughs> no. what are you? What are you, Chris Rock? She's gonna come right
1: out of the gate with all those f bombs. I don't know. Yeah,
0: who are you, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> Comedians that cuss, Lauren. Here's what I have to say. If you really want to do stand-up, nothing is going to stop you from doing stand-up. Yeah. Even if you're terrible. That's the amusing thing with (laughs) stand-up, is that doesn't stop the majority of people doing it. No. But it's also like the universe and the comedy world kind of moves you along or doesn't move you along and there's still some pretty rotten stand-ups out there making the open mic scene decades later. And you know what? They love comedy so much. Nothing's going to stop them. You know those comedians I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Yeah. The ones that have been at the same coffee shops or yeah, comedy clubs doing open mics. And uh, I'm like... More power to you.
1: It feels like, you know how in school where you're. it would be weird to see your teacher outside of school? I felt (laughs) the same way with those comedians where I was like, I don't think they exist outside of this open mic. Like, I couldn't imagine them living the rest of their lives. I can only see them as that thing.
0: Yeah, there's no way they have a job or an apartment (laughs) or there's no way... (laughs) They have friends or they're in a relationship. They just occupy the chair (laughs) that they sit in, in the coffee shop or the comedy club.
1: (laughs) Well, also, usually their jokes never change. So you're like, nothing is happening to them, clearly.
0: Yeah. But that might not be you, Lauren. Yeah. You know, you say you're a funny lady. So when you say you'd like to hear the truth. Yeah. I was curious about that part. Just based off of her email. Yeah, I can't read too much into your um, question and be like, wow, you should probably have an HBO special. (laughs) But I also, almost 25 years into doing stand-up, I do know that somebody could write a funny or unfunny question, and uh, that wouldn't tell you anything about them as a stand-up. It's true. There's so many quirky, weird people, somebody that you can't even imagine Would step onto the stage and blow your mind. Like Maria Bamford again. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you'd probably meet Maria living next door to you and she'd be like, oh, I'm, yeah, I do stand up. And you'd be like, really? Yeah. And then you go see her and you're just, you're, you're on the floor. Yeah. I guess it's like there's those type of people,
1: but then I also feel like there's the opposite. I mean, not to, you know, take any shine out of your friends saying you're funny, but I feel like that's sometimes a different kind of funny than,
0: Mm-hmm. Stand up funny. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly so many people that I'm told by friends or family like, you gotta meet yes. Carl at the office. He is <laughs> so funny. Or you gotta meet my neighbor. She is hilarious and she wants to move to Hollywood. And then, you you know, you're, you meet them and you're like, that's great. I, I don't know what to tell you. You gotta try it out. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing will stop you if you want to do it. So that's the only advice I can tell you is you have to do it. Yeah. And you have to see how the audiences respond to you and how you feel. And
1: Yeah, because you might just be like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Like, it isn't even just what the audience thinks. You might just might not be your thing or you might realize you like it in a way you didn't even realize.
0: I saw somebody in my first year of comedy, a friend I had made, get on stage and do stand up. And the terror in her face (laughs) when she saw it was not going well. The whole thing was falling apart. And she took some major, major risks. And it was her first time on stage. And she got off, like, basically crawling on the floor (gasps) out of there. And uh, and she was like, oh, my gosh. I truly thought you were just up there talking. And, I mean, there's some preparation there. And. (laughs) You know, <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say, Lauren, prep, and then go try it out. And if you bomb, go back up again another okay. night. Just keep doing it. And I always feel like if you're doing well, fifty-one percent of the time, then you have reason to, um, yeah, to believe that you might have something to work with, or maybe you'll become the other forty-nine percent <laughs> that's bombing and. And you still love doing it, and you just keep doing it. Yeah. Who knows?
1: And you make those of us right at 51 feel okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, that's not one but two professional comedians. That's what we think you should do. Yeah. So get out there and break a leg, Lauren. We believe in you. Parna, yeah. this final listener question Oh, comes from Lori. Lori. Mm-hmm. What if it's Lauren. <laughs> Writing back with another question and (laughs) and disguising the name just slightly. Okay, Lori writes, My son is starting college in Brooklyn this fall. How much money do I send them a week? He plans to get a job at some point, but he's going to need money from us no matter what. What is reasonable? I can't ask other parents in my neighborhood because they are all a lot richer than we are. My instinct out of the gate is to sit down with your son and actually talk about a budget mm. of what your son is reasonably going to need for basic food, yeah, shelter, transportation, that kind of thing. Yeah. and a plan for when he needs to have a job. Yes. You know, just I think you need to have a very clear conversation and have it really mapped out. That's such a
1: reasonable answer. (laughs) I was going to say, make sure he's, I was going to say, make sure he's not
0: scamming you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if there is a concern about him scamming you, you could also directly just pay his rent for him. So he's not pocketing cash and just buying whiskey.
1: I think that's a great point. I do think we don't, in general, talk enough about money as a society Mm -hmm. in terms of Transparently, or like what mm-hmm. a budget is, like I would have loved to know what a budget was much sooner in life.
0: Yeah, are you just finding out right now? I just learned right now. Oh, okay. Well, I I'm hope it's helpful it, for you. Look
1: it up after that.
0: I think it'd be helpful. You know, if my parents sat down and said, "Hey, you know, this is what we can do." Yeah, And it has nothing to do with what your friends' parents are doing. Yes. But this is the reality of our finances. And here's how we want to and can help you. And then here's where you're going to have to pick up the slack. And here's the point in time when you're going to need to have a job to make that happen. Like maybe you could say the first month will we'll give you the extra stuff so you can buy all your whiskey. Right. Um, and then after the first month you know, you're on your own. I'm assuming that's the only extra stuff a college kid needs is (laughs) (laughs) bottles of whiskey. I didn't go to college, so I don't know. (laughs) But beyond your basic needs, a a month later, you're kind of on your own to buy, you know, Taco Bell and whiskey. Yeah, because it sounds like
1: maybe... Lori's a little bit worried about stacking up with what other parents are giving their kids, but it shouldn't affect her decision Uh or, like, her conversation with her son.
0: Lori, we dispense the advice. Now it's time for you to dispense the cash. Aparna, (laughs) I need you to hang on for one final segment. Okay. We call Name That Thing. Name that thing. Yeah, this is where we help people figure out what to call their things. Anything from an adult softball team to their emotional support fish. Ooh. Whatever name we decide must be used. No going back. Okay. Rachel writes, I love to play trivia with my boyfriend, and we are required to submit a team name to play. The name is called over the sound system several times through the night, so people usually do funny names. We have struggled to come up with a name For our duo team, we are in our 30s, have never won trivia together, but love trying. He's a scuba instructor, and I'm a lawyer. I'm from Tennessee, and he's from Colorado. I love that. I love that vibe of we've never won, but we love trying. That's like. The fact that you're adults and you're you're still living the way that your parents probably told you to just, yes. just keep trying. Yeah, you keep showing up. You keep putting in your best effort. Well, I have I have a thought. Do you have any thought on what they should call themselves? I mean, honestly, I was when
1: I, I try to be too clever sometimes with these names because I know trivia names are usually very pun heavy. So oh, okay. I I um I think I tried to put in too many elements in the blender because I was like okay scuba instructor lawyer trivia trying hard yeah. and then right and so far no hits incorporating all of them.
0: Well, I have something okay that I would think was funny if it came over the sound system. Okay, the losers. <laughs>
1: Uh, I like that. I mean, it's very, it says it all. What about the earnest
0: losers? Yeah, the earnest,
1: I, I was going to say maybe we'll, we'll, we'll buff them up a little bit. The earnest losers, mm-hmm. the joyful losers, something. The given. lovable losers. The
0: lovable losers. That's beautiful. <laughs> You're happy they're there. They're lovable. Maybe if they win, that somebody would be like, and the winners is The Lovable Losers. And then they, that'd be
1: a good moment, right? That would be such a triumphant moment for them.
0: All right, Rachel, your trivia team is now named The Lovable Losers. The Lovable Losers. Just lean into being the underdog. Yeah, Aparna and I expect to be thanked in any victory speeches. Yes. Am I right? Please send us
1: the recording. As a lawyer, you know we need the proof. (laughs)
0: Aparna, that's the end of the show. Oh. Yeah. You never know when things are going to end, and then it's just time to say goodbye. I know. It's kind of like life, right? Yeah. You just don't know when it's going to end, and then you say goodbye. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with me and the listeners today. I had a great time. You've been kind enough to open for me in some very special performances. Uh, You opened for me uh, for my HBO taping. You opened for me at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. You are truly one of my favorites. I just think you're just incredible as a human being and as a comedian. And um, is there anything you'd like to mention?
1: Well, I would like to echo that sentiment right back to you. I feel very lucky to know you as a friend and a comedian. And I guess if I should plug something, I do a voice on a Fox show called The Great North. Mm-hmm. Also features great people like Nick Offerman, Will Forte, Jenny Slate, Paul Rust, Dulce Sloan. And the new season is now Sundays on Fox before
0: Bob's Burgers. Incredible. Yeah. And we'll look out for your book whenever that comes out, right? Yeah, you know you'll be getting a copy. Yeah, you know I'll be getting one. I look forward to it. And all right, well, I'll hope to see you sooner than later. Me too. Thanks, Tig. Bye. Bye. Also, don't forget that I have a major market national tour called Hello Again. You can find more info at my website, tignotaro.com. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willett, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark and Dan Latou. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham, And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask TIG. Don't Ask TIG is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.